You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever you like. Or you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Viking. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And today I want to take stock. It has been a couple weeks since the draft. We've had a minute to get everything organized and tracked, and uh, I have a a little bit of just kind of overall roster analysis that I kind of want to go over before we head into more of the content in the summer. We also have, we're kind of a day behind on these, uh, but we have the still, uh, the the Locked On crossover event brought to you also by Built Bar. Uh, We have... Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars coming on today. We are going to have to push uh, Locked On Colts into next week. We'll probably have a doubleheader at some point to get caught up. Uh, But today we get to talk about the Jaguars and where they're at and Gardner Minshew and are they tanking and all that stuff. Of course, there is a little bit of news to talk about. The schedule is going to be released on Thursday, likely as or maybe even before you listen to this podcast. So You might know more than I do at this particular time. There was a rumor that the, uh, the the schedule would kind of be busted into kind of quadrants where like the first four weeks, all of the NFC North versus AFC South games would be played. And then you would have the NFC North versus NFC South games being played and then kind of push all the divisional games to later in the year. This is an interesting way to uh, logistically combat the complications with COVID-19 and limit travel, uh, and I think all of that's very interesting. Uh, It also allows you to kind of prioritize which games, if games do need to be canceled, uh, you can kind of have the, you know, if the first four games of the year need to be canceled, you can put the the intra-conference games in those slots because those are the ones that people look forward to the least, as it were. Of course, I'd be really bummed if any of these games got canceled, but I guess if they're going to prioritize, then this makes sense. Either way, I'm probably not going to do too much schedule analysis on this show. I'll probably talk about it a little bit on Monday, but we already know who the Vikings opponents are. So the idea of making this the time to go over strength of schedule or anything is kind of weird. We've known this for a while. The idea of going over, you know, when is the bye? Are there primetime games? Uh, you know, how, what about the travel? How bad, are, you know, how bad are the road trips? That is all, uh, I think, interesting. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but we won't spend too much time on it next week. Instead, I want to start talking about the roster. Now, we've got a couple of months before scheduled activities actually start. It's May right now. Usually in a normal time, by the end of July, you would actually we'd actually be, you know, covering training camp. Of course, we might have to, you know, kill a little bit more time than that, but for now we're going to go as if things will start on time even if they're virtual virtual or whatever weirdness. And so that means it's time for a little bit of story time. If you were around last year when we did this, you'll remember that I went over every single player on the 90, told their stories, told their their backgrounds, where they came from, and how they got to the NFL. It was a very long series, but I found it fulfilling and interesting. Uh, And I I still like to go back and through, you know, all my notes from those episodes and still just kind of relive the things that I learned about, like, Eric Kendricks and Daniil Hunter and where he came from and Mackenzie Alexander and everybody like that. Well... We're going to do a little bit of an abridged version this year, so I can talk about a couple of the things that I didn't get to last year, a couple of the more abstract ideas and more like high-level stuff about positional value and scheme and maybe talk to some guests if I can get them on. 
But that doesn't mean we're going to issue the series entirely. Instead, we're just going to talk about the players who have been on the team for a year or less. I think there's like 28 or 29 players that have been on the team for uh, two or more years. And I'm actually going to rattle them off really quick. Uh, those players are Adam Thielen, Anthony Barr, Anthony Harris, Aviant Collins, Ben Gideon, Brett Jones, Brian O'Neill, CJ Ham, Dalvin Cook, Dan Bailey, Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Eric Wilson, Harrison Smith, Hercules Mata'afa, Holton Hill, Afadio Denebo, Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, Kirk Cousins, Kyle Rudolph, Mike Boone, Mike Hughes, and Pat Elfline. All at least two years or more of experience inside the Vikings. Everybody else on the team, including all of this year and last year's rookies, new free agent additions, undrafted free agents, futures contracts guys who have joined the team, guys like uh, Mark Fields who joined the team kind of after cutdown day and like right just in time for week one, all those other people we're not very familiar with on a personal level, right? We all know the story of Adam Thielen to death. I don't need to tell you that he took a $500 scholarship at Mankato State and almost sold dental equipment. You know that. But what you might not know are things like what we talked about with Brady Aiello earlier in the week, that he almost hung up his cleats in high school, or things like Ezra Cleveland not having a car at Boise State and instead uh, riding a minibike everywhere. This is the kind of weird stuff we're going to get into over the summer. It's going to be a little bit more story time, a little bit less football, and I'll make sure to sprinkle in some football, some real hard X's and O's stuff for you hard-nosed guys out there. The other thing that you should be familiar with for this particular exercise is my roster tier system. This is a system I used last year. I think it worked out really well. Dividing everybody on the 90-man roster, or the 87-man roster as it is right now, into uh, categories based on their poll position, their status headed into camp. So this isn't a roster prediction. This isn't a, a prediction of who's really going to be a starter or anything. This is more where they start out. And if they play well or poorly in training camp in the preseason, they kind of move up and down in these slots. So I, I have five categories. The first is uh, the starter category, and this is obvious, right? These are people who are going to be the guy no matter what. This is Kirk Cousins. This is Daniil Hunter. Preseason isn't going to be about a battle. They won't be fending off their some some young challenger for their job. They're just like the guy, Adam Thielen, these types of guys. Guys that are not going to be in a camp competition in the preseason for them is more about acclimating to changes in the playbook uh, or getting to know it in the first place if it's somebody like Michael Pierce uh, and, and just kind of getting getting their warm-up in. The next one is competition status. Uh, the competition tier is people who could start, could not start, and it really depends on how it goes in the preseason. These are people like Drew Samia, who will probably be competing with somebody at right guard. Uh, this is somebody like Pat Elfline. Maybe he'll start if he has a good preseason, but if he plays, you know, the way that we're used to him playing, and that's the most likely option, uh, then, you know, you don't necessarily have him... Uh, slated in as a starter, and I don't think he's a likely one. And I think Elfline's a good example of somebody in the competition status, right? I don't think he's going to start, but I think if he had suddenly a lights-out preseason and he played better guard than we've ever seen him play, then I think that they would probably consider it, right? Then there's backup status. Uh, these are people who have a pretty small chance of winning a starting job, but also have a small chance of being cut. These are people like... Alexander Madison, who, I mean, you know, he's going to make the team, but he's not going to supersede Dalvin Cook. People like B.C. Johnson probably won't get, you know, the, the wide receiver one or two job. Uh, but even B.C. Johnson, for this exercise, I count rotational jobs like wide receiver three, which he could win. So he'll actually go in the competition tier because he'll be battling Tajay Sharp for that. Uh, you know, and things like fullback or the third linebacker and the nickel corner, I, I just count them all as starting jobs. So there's like 25 starting jobs in this on offense and defense, even though that math doesn't work out. I think it's appropriate. There's then the roster bubble status. 
status. These are people who are trying to make the team, have a decent enough shot to make the team, uh, but aren't necessarily guaranteed to do so. People like uh, Amir Abdullah, right? He's kind of got to fend off some people on special teams. He might be the fourth running back. There's a chance. Guys like Kyle Hinton or Blake Brandle, you know, draft picks, but they're too low to be guaranteed a, dra a, a roster spot. But hey, if they play well enough, they got a shot. Uh, and then you have the long shot tier. These are undrafted free agents, CFL guys, Tony Brooks, James, Stacy Keeley, guys who were on the practice squad last year who have never cracked a roster. These are kind of, for me, sometimes the most fun guys to cover because you get some really fun stories in there. So that's the roster tier system. Uh, and I will be reminding you a whole bunch because every player I go over, I'll say at the end what tier I think they're in and why. So I'm actually going to run over the whole roster here and, and just go over everybody's uh, positions. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about Built Bar. I actually have a half-eaten one right in front of me right now. <laughs> I'm working on one. Built Bar can be a nice, uh, like, breakfast bar, kind of a replacement for a Cliff Bar with a whole bunch less sugar. It's not as, as uh, bad for you. And in my opinion, it tastes a lot better. It's not just a, like this giant hit of sugar in the morning. It can also, it can also be a decadent treat uh, if you want to have something chocolatey but not feel as much guilt. Uh, they've got all kinds of flavors. They have, uh, I'm working on a raspberry one right now. They have a peanut butter one, peanut butter brownie. They've got a banana bread one, an orange one, which is kind of weird, but I, I don't hate the idea. And if you want to try them for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com. That's the best place to go buy them. And if you enter promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, then you will get 10% off of your first order, and they'll get delivered right to your door. So you don't have to go out shopping during quarantine for your breakfast bars. That's BuiltBar.com, and when you check out, promo code locked on. Okay, so I don't have a ton of time to go over the roster, so it's going to be really quick. I'm not going to explain a lot of my decisions, but if you don't like one, please feel free to yell at me, at, at, yell at me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, and I'll be sure to argue with you. All of these are also very, very subject to change, so this is by no means a final thing. This is just the initial punch-up that I'm going to kind of think about as I go over here. So we'll start with the quarterbacks. I think that's easy, right? Starter status, Kirk Cousins. Backup status, Sean Mannion. And roster bubble status, Jake Browning and Nate Stanley. I don't think either Browning or Stanley really have a, a snowflakes chance in hell of actually taking the backup quarterback job, because even if they outplay Sean Mannion, they also have to be valuable to, to Kirk Cousins in the preparation phases of the week, and that's just not something that either of these young kids are going to be able to do, I don't think. I'd, I'd be really surprised to see any of them take Sean Mannion's job. Now, if we suddenly see uh, Sean Mannion and Jake Browning splitting second team reps in training camp, then I change this. But for now, pole position, I think that the onus is on Browning or Stanley to prove that they deserve to even be in a battle. Uh, the running backs, another similar, uh, similarly kind of easy one. Dalvin Cook and the CJ Ham are, are the starters, right? Those are the guys that are going to have the job and nobody's really... Uh, challenging them. Then uh, the backup status, you have Alexander Madison. Of course, you know, nobody is, again, in competition, and Alexander Madison's not going to get cut. I think the roster bubble status are is uh, Mike Boone and Amir Abdullah. I think you're going to keep at least one of those. You might keep two, but they both definitely need to have like a good preseason pre to earn their keep. And the long shot status goes to Tony Brooks James and also Jake Bargus, who came in. He's officially listed as a tight end, uh, but he's going to play fullback in the preseason, it sounds like, or at least that's what's been reported. He'll be full a fullback, and I think he has a really long shot to make the roster. The wide receivers, this one was really, really tough last year. If you remember, it was just this wide-open competition. Uh, for starter status, I think Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have that pretty much locked up. I, I would really struggle to see Jefferson uh, lose out to, like, Tajay Sharp. 
Um, but again, if he's maybe, you know, treadwelling it up and really sucking, then you're, you're going to have, uh, then, you know, he'll get moved down in a competition status with Tajay Sharp and BC Johnson. They're in a competition with each other for the wide receiver three job, which I'm defining as a starting job for the purposes of this. Uh, and then you go to the roster bubble status. I don't think any of these guys are guaranteed a roster spot and they're all fighting over the last one or two. That's Chad Beebe, Davion Davis, Alexander Hollins, and K.J. Osborne. Those are all people who are on the roster at some point, or K.J. Osborne, who I think has a shot at the roster just by virtue of being drafted. And then in the long shot status, you have Braylon Addison, Dan Chisena, Courtney Davis, and Dylan Mitchell. These guys are either undrafted free agents, uh, Braylon Addison's a CFL guy, and Dylan Mitchell didn't make the squad last year. Uh, moving on to tight ends, you have Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. Those are the two starters. I think tight end two is a rotational, is a sub-package job, but I'm counting it as a starting job. I think backup status is Tyler Conklin, and I think he's relatively unchallenged. And I'm putting Brandon Dillon, who did make the roster for a brief moment in 2019, in roster bubble status. There's nothing stopping him from doing it again and making them keep four tight ends. And then the long shot uh, goes to Nakia Griffin-Stewart, who will also probably get some third, fourth team reps, but has a really uphill path to the roster. Uh, offensive line is really, really difficult difficult, right? So starting guys, I think you have Riley Reef, Brian O'Neill, and Garrett Bradbury. Super unlikely that any of those guys end up benched. Now, Riley Reef, I don't know if he's going to start at left tackle or left guard. It really depends on Ezra Cleveland, but uh, I think those are the guys that are absolutely going to be on the line at, uh, you know, somewhere. Uh, competition status, you have uh, Pat Elfline, Ezra Cleveland, Drew Samia, and I'm also putting Dakota Dozier here. And I think the last two spots will be filled in some combination. It could be Ezra Cleveland on the left, and then Pat Elfline is benched, and then Drew Samia on the right. Or it could be, uh, you know, Riley Reef and Dakota Dozier gets the left guard spot, and then Drew Samia gets the right guard spot, or maybe Dozier gets the right guard spot over Drew Samia. There's a lot of untangling to do, but I think it's going to come down to those five of those seven people are going to be the starting offensive line for the Vikings. Backup status goes to Rashad Hill and Oli Udo. I did say uh, yesterday that I thought Rashad Hill could be a surprise cut, but I don't think he's in that pole position. That's more of a hot take of how I think the preseason's going to go, um, and I don't think he's starting out in a position to be vulnerable to that. You know, a, a certain permutation events would, ha would have to happen, and while I'm predicting those events in a hot take, uh, that's not where we're at right now. Uh, roster bubble status goes to Brett Jones, Aviant Collins, Kyle Hinton, and Blake Brandle. We might not be able to have any of those guys on the roster. There are already nine guys who I think are more or less guaranteed a roster spot. Um, and so you might actually have to cut all four of those guys. I think Brett Jones is, has the best chance to get a 10th spot, and they've kept 10 in the past, so it's not out of the question. And then long shot status goes Jake Lacina, Tyler Higby, Brady Aiello, and... Oh, and I, I wrote down Kyle Hinton. No, he's in he's in the roster bubble. Uh, just the three, Lucina Higby and Brady Aiello, really uphill paths to the roster. Moving on to the defense, I have Michael Pierce as the only starter status on the defensive line, or on the defensive uh, interior, that is. Uh, competition status, I think Shamar Steffen and James Lynch are going to compete for that three-technique position. Right now, I'm giving the edge to Shamar Steffen just because I know the Vikings are high on him, even though I would probably approach it differently. Uh, backup status, I think Armin Watts proved enough last year where I don't think he's vulnerable uh, to lose his roster spot. However, in, in the roster bubble status, I think Hercules Mata'afa, Jalen Holmes, and Jaleel Johnson all have been way too quiet during their time here in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, unless the Vikings decide to keep a fifth or sixth defensive tackle again, I think all three of them are very, very vulnerable right now. Uh, and in terms of long shot status, you have David Moa, the D tackle out of Boise State. For the defensive ends, uh, I'm only putting Daniil Hunter in the starter status. I think Afadio Denebo will start, but he's in the competition status because there's a fourth round new edge rusher that's probably going to come in and challenge him. Uh, that's DJ Wanham. And then the roster bubble guys are Eddie Yarborough, 
Anthony Zettel and Kenny Willekes. Uh, and I, again, I think that all there, there's a fourth defensive end spot almost every, uh, there's at least four every year, sometimes five. So that's kind of a wide open competition. And all of those guys have a decent shot of making it. Uh, and then of course the long shot status goes to Stacy Keeley, who was pretty deep on the roster last year, but they did keep him on the practice squad. In terms of linebackers, starter status is easy again, right? Like Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, unquestioned starters. Competition status. So this is for that third linebacker spot. Every year we have a competition between Ben Gideon and Eric Wilson. The way it usually works is Ben Gideon gets the rotational job and Eric Wilson gets the backup, you know, if Kendricks or Barr goes down you go in job. And this year that's complicated by Troy Dye being a part of the whole thing. He was drafted in the fourth round. Roster bubble status goes to Cameron Smith, who was on and off the roster last year. Uh, and I think that any of Jordan Fair, Blake Lynch, and Demarcus Gates could challenge him for that sixth linebackers slash special team spot, but I, I have all three of those guys in the long shot tier, and somebody's going to have to prove that they deserve in the ro- to be in the roster bubble tier by being really good on special teams and coming in after the, the preseason and stuff. As for cornerbacks, I have Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney as unquestioned starters. I think it would be absolutely insane if uh, either of those guys weren't playing. I think competition for that third cornerback spot, so like Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney, one will be inside, one will be outside. It might not even be the same for, on a play-to-play basis, and then you have somebody else on the outside. That'll be Cameron Dantzler or Holton Hill, and I think there's a competition for that, probably one of the more interesting ones to watch. Uh, on the roster bubble, I have Chris Boyd, Nate Metters, and Harrison Hand. I think you can keep two of those three and have six cornerbacks. I currently have Harrison Hand in the cornerback slot. I know there's a lot of talk about him moving to safety, uh, but he's not listed that way right now, and I haven't seen any reporting that like they're going to, like it is with Jake Vargas. So uh, I, I'm putting him in cornerbacks kind of officially right now, but he'll probably move by the time we see him do drills with the safeties and line up with the safeties and stuff, then I'll move him that uh, for that. Uh, and then the long shot status, there's a whole bunch of guys, Mark Fields, Marcus Sales, uh, Neville Clark, Miles Dorn, and Kimon Hall, a whole bunch of undrafted free agents. So that bottom of the cornerback spot, you're going to have two guys, one or two guys kind of ascend out of there. And it's going to be really interesting to see who kind of stands out from the crowd. Uh, safeties is really easy. Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, at least as it stands now are penciled in starters, uh, and and backup status goes to Josh Metellus and Brian Cole. I, I would probably put them on the roster bubble status if there were another safety in this group, and I think if Harrison Hand moves into that safety group, then yeah, then they all go to roster bubble status, and you're talking about, okay, we keep two of those three. Uh, but for now, they're pretty much guaranteed a roster spot because there aren't any other safeties under contract. And then, of course, all the specialists are locked in. Dan Bailey, Britton Cole quit, and Austin Cutting. How did I do for time? Pretty bad. I'm running pretty behind here, so... Um, I am going to step away for a second. When I come back, we will talk to Tony Wiggins of Locked on Jaguars. See you guys in a second. Okay, we are back. I'm here with Tony Wiggins of Locked on Jags. I am Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings. We're talking here, crossing over uh, as part of this whole big crossover event brought to you by Built Bar, talking about all of the NFC North versus AFC South matchups, which I guess are going to be the first month of the season, or at least that's the rumor as we record this. We'll probably People will probably know by the time they actually listen to this. Yeah. From the way it looks, and now I, I don't know where the game is because I've, I've been teaching all night, but I don't know if it's there or here. Uh, it's, you, it's in Minnesota. Okay, but you know what? I, I was stationed in North Dakota back in 1989, and I can tell you something about that part of the, that neck of the woods. It's hot as hell up there. And, 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 and the Jaguars should know that because their initial, their inaugural training camp was up there, and it was heated, man. I'm telling you. I was in North Dakota where the state bird is a mosquito and the state tree is a telephone pole. There's nowhere to hide from that heat. <laughs> it's and a we, dome, though. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, it's still going to be, you know, 
tailgating. It's going to be hot out there, man. It's, it's, it is. So you're going to have a good time. You guys better be glad you're not coming here because it is scorching down here, man, in, in that oh, time. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's the one where you wear the white jerseys and make the Vikings wear the, the dark purple. The purple, yep. Um, so I guess I, I have a lot of questions about uh, Jacksonville. The first one I actually want to talk about is uh, the, one of your draft picks, uh, Clavon Chiasen. I hope, yeah. I hope I didn't. Uh, everybody, don't don't get don't 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 trip because everybody around here has screwed that name up. It's Kalevion. It's Kalevon Chasen. That's the Kalevon way. Kalevon Chasen. Okay, yeah, yeah, but we've so, we've all slaughtered that name. Out. So rumor has it the Vikings were really really in on him and actually would have considered drafting him at twenty two if you didn't take him at twenty. So what's the outlook with him? I mean, he could have been the Everson Griffin replacement. So I'm kind of curious. Yeah, uh, you know what? There, there's some thought that the the lightning package, the third down package, because here's the deal: they they got Yannick Ngakwe who has thirty eight. In, in four years. Uh, he, he's franchise tagged. It got pretty ugly, so nobody knows he's going to be here. They got Josh Allen on the other side. I even asked Dave Caldwell, the GM, when I spoke to him and I did a podcast with him that you can find on Locked On Jaguars, is that how are you going to play them all together if Jan does come back? And he says, don't worry about it. We'll get him out there. So the thing with Chase on is uh, uh, Silva. Silva did uh, – Mike Silva did a, an interview where he was – with the Jags or he was uh, shadowing the Jags on draft night. Uh, Minnesota almost moved up. Minnesota was dangling the third and the fourth to come up from 22 to 20. And the Jaguars did not budge because they actually had considered chase on at nine, but because they had gotten uh, Henderson, the cornerback from Florida, when they got to 20, they, they they had to take him because they were afraid that the Cowboys or some or the Raiders were going to take him at uh, 17 or 18 or 18 or 19. When he got there, they was like, look, man, this is the guy we considered at number nine. We're going to go ahead and get him. Uh, they had four guys they were considering at nine, and he was one of them. They ended up getting two players that they had in their top nine on their board. So, uh, yeah, Mike Silver even reported that Caldwell told him that Spielman, uh, Rick Spielman never called him back. Spielman didn't yeah. call him back. You know, they were dangling a three and a four, but uh, Spielman didn't call him back. So uh, they ended up – you guys got a good player. You got the other kid out of LSU, right? Yeah, Jefferson. We – we uh, or the Vikings thought that the Eagles were going to take him, which is probably why they were trying to move up above past the Eagles, and the Eagles didn't take him, and they were really surprised when they took Ragor. Um, but I, I want to ask you about – I mean, it's a really interesting quarterback situation across the whole division. You know, you have teams that are like – that have their guy like Deshaun Watson. You have teams like the Colts that don't really know, you know, how long they're going to have Phillip Rivers and if Eason is the guy or whatever. And then you've got Gardner Minshew. And, uh, you know, you get rid of Nick Foles, so it looks like Gardner Minshew is the guy. I mean, is he the truth? Is he the future? Because if he is, this is a great opportunity for Jacksonville to have a guy on that cheap a contract if he's the guy. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I mean, I could make Jaguar fans happy by saying, yeah, I think he is the guy. I don't know. But what I do know is he's earned the right because coaches always talk about everyone has a chance. So if you get a guy in the sixth round, it doesn't matter where you pick him. And he, in 12 games, he's six for six. He's six and six as a starter in seven, seven out of the, the 12 weeks he played, he was rookie of the week, but he doesn't get any consideration for rookie of the year. He has 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. Now, you could break it down and, and overanalyze it and say, well, maybe he was just ready to play and there's no roof or there's no ceiling. Or you could just go, you know what? Every challenge we put in front of this kid, he answered it. And even in some of the games that they lost, he rallied them and had them right there in the fourth quarter. So 
the thing is with him, man, is he has earned the right. And I know he's a bit of a caricature to a lot of people because of his personality and the way that he dresses. He's earned the right for people to consider him a football player and look at him and judge him based on his football acumen as opposed to constantly looking at him just as some sort of pop culture icon and all of that stuff. And my the fan base here has heard me say this three days in a row, but I'll still tell you. He's kind of what people thought Johnny Manziel would be. Charismatic, plays oh, off that. schedule. Yeah, charismatic, plays off schedule. He's kind of that guy, diminutive in, in stature, but uh, he does not give a damn about pressure. And and that's the thing that you just like to see from a dude. So whether he's the guy or not, I'll tell you what, he's going he's gonna to wear somebody's helmet for the next 12 years, kind of like the way Ryan Fitzpatrick did. You know, he's hung around. He's going to make a lot of money. and. Um, and then you're going to see him as a coach. I, I call him Sean McVay in a helmet because that's what he is. <laughs> he's he's kind of like that dude. He's always intense. He's got he's got this great personality, but still he speaks like a coach. And and uh, he's going to be around this game for an awful long time as a player and as a coach. But right now he's earned the right to be considered the starting quarterback for this team. That's awesome. And I don't think it's mutually exclusive to be like the guy and also be a pop culture icon. But I kind of mm. want to zoom out a little bit and and ask like do you expect the Jags to be competitive because I I look at the roster I look at the the way that the last couple off seasons have gone you know you flip Jalen Ramsey for CJ Henderson sort of uh and and you flip you know uh you've kind of flipped a lot of players for assets lately uh I think Calais Campbell or am I getting them mixed up with somebody else but I you know yeah, there, there's there's been a lot of offloading older expensive veterans in, in exchange for draft capital and stuff and so is this a moment where you know you just kind of have to go all right well we're kind of skipping 2020 we'll try to be you know competitive later or do we go into the season saying don't count out the Jags I think they had to do both I, I think something I've tried to get my hand on was or, or handle on was if the GM and the coach who people were surprised came back, if they have to win, um, if they have to win this year, do they go into the draft looking for guys that can help them win or make the team more exciting? Or do they do what most teams do and, and, and fix the infrastructure of the team and make good sound team building picks? Well, Dave Caldwell said you can do both. And uh, I, I don't necessarily know if you can really, really truly do both of them uh, when you win six games. And, and when you have to show improvement. So here's what I think is going to happen. I, I don't believe in tanking. And you can't tank in football because guys want to put good tape out and coaches don't want to get fired. But I'll tell you what, I think they're going to be fighting. I think they're going to fight. I think they're going to be competitive in a lot of games. I don't think they're going to win very many. But I think they'll be super, super competitive and super, super exciting. And the young players will show them enough uh, for them to uh, – probably get everybody an extension and they got a plethora of draft picks next year. They got two first round picks next year. I think statistically they'll show enough for people to be excited about it, but I just don't think they're going to be capable of being able to close out games because all 12 of those rookies that they picked are going to be on this team. That's a little bit less than a fourth of your roster and they're going to be rookies. You can't win that way. Yeah. Vikings are in a really similar spot. Well, Hey, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been fun to talk to all you guys from the AFC South. Yeah, man, it has been absolutely fun. Uh, we wish uh, everyone safety. We continue to take care of each other as a country, and hopefully we'll get some sense of normalcy at some point uh, at the right time for us to all come back out and play again, man. Uh, Luke Braun, man, thank you very much for having me. Of course, man. Thanks for doing this, and we'll hopefully we'll see you soon, maybe in September. Yes, sir. Appreciate it.
That was Tony Wiggins of Locked on Jags. You can find his info and my info in the show notes. Uh, of course, I'm on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can find Locked on Jaguars in all of the same places. Thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out. I will see you all next week. We'll get caught up on uh, the Colts thing. We'll get caught up also with all of the teams in the NFC South, which should be really fun. I can't wait to heckle Ross Jackson about how we, we beat him up in the draft after beating him up in the playoffs. Uh, and, uh, you know, learning about the Bucks and talking about Teddy with the Panthers. There's going to be a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Love talking to all those guys. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, Skull.